Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 6, Chapter 7, Homeward Bound, Exploring Sacrifice in Community. Now, aside from the movie, Ellen, Homeward Bound... I was hoping you were going to talk about that. I was really hoping that you bring up the movie. (laughs) Shadow and Chance and Sassy. Yes, a classic. A 90s classic and also Uh Homeward Bound 2. Uh, Of course, they did make a sequel. I'm thinking about the, the sort of mental energy of returning to a place that you know or that you would call home and finding it slightly different than how you left it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or then how you remember it in your mind's eye. Is there a place um, when you think about like coming home or going somewhere familiar that you're kind of surprised that it doesn't look exactly as you imagine it in your mind's eye? I have been afraid to return to Walt Disney World for this very reason. Mm, mm-hmm. I just have such like cherished memories of the internship there and it it just feels like a golden six months in my past where there weren't really responsibilities it was just sort of like fun time in orlando with roommates orlando orlando (laughs) (laughs) yes right um and so i don't really i I don't really, I feel that way about Disney. I feel that way about summer camp. Like I've been invited mm. back a few times to the the place where I worked as a counselor. And I just, I think it would, I think it would be just not as sweet. And I, so mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go look at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I shun that from my activity Yes, <laughs> I do. I shun it and I let it just sort of live in my dreams and memories through rose colored glasses. Mm-hmm. Because I did recently go back to my alma mater, mm-hmm. and they renamed my dorm, and <laughs> that <laughs> was extremely rude. So <laughs> that is the last time I try to walk down memory lane. <laughs> Tried it once, didn't care for it, never yes, again. Absolutely not. I was like, oh, we'll do a little stroll. Here we are. The what is that word? <laughs> So yeah, that's I when Frodo in this was like, I feel like I'm falling back asleep or whatever, and he's returning and it's not the same. I'm like, I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say coming home. Coming back to a place that you're familiar with, as we've learned, Mm -hmm. comes with its perils, comes with its emotional, perhaps, pitfalls, um, but also comes with just a general amount of of emotion and and expectation. And perhaps sacrificing the way that you think about Mm. this thing, because you're creating these new memories. So that feels like the best tie-in I can make to our theme today, Ellen. I thought that Uh, was great. You really threaded that needle. Uh, And so accordingly, right, uh, you've brought a story today about sacrifice and community. I'm interested to hear um, what you have for us. When I was thinking about the the theme today, I sort of got lost on this idea 
of sacrifice and differentiating that between choice. Like instead of sacrificing something, you're actually just choosing to prioritize another thing. Mm. In my story, we can we can explore that a little bit. So I, I recently moved and instead of a 20 minute walk to work, which I had enjoyed for the previous five years, I now have a 40 minute commute. It's a 10 minute walk and a 30 minute train ride. When I was preparing for this, I was really dreading this change because I was just mentally cataloging all of the sacrifices that this would entail. My main concern was that I was going to have to sacrifice sleep, which is a big red flag for me. I was thinking I'm going to have to wake up earlier. I need to have time to go for a run in the morning. I still have to get to work at the same time. What about delays with the train? Or if I'm tired, then, you know, I'm going to have to sacrifice my morning run so I can sleep in a little bit more. And I was just worried about all of the time that I was going to spend on the subway and just really worked up about the the whole change. Mm -hmm. Amid all of these sacrifices, one might wonder, well, why would you choose to give up your casual 20-minute walk for a 40-minute commute? And... I had that same thought as well. And the key <laughs> word from that sentence that I just said was choosing, you know, choice. I, I did choose to make this move. And I had this epiphany one day and I realized that all the things I was choosing to prioritize in this move, which is a newer apartment, a more comfortable neighborhood, better financial situation, closer proximity to running trails, and even a washer dryer. I mean, like, the list just really went on and on. And putting that into perspective helped me reframe this sacrifice that I was being such a martyr over and really telling everybody about my new lengthy commute. I was choosing this. I was choosing this list of positive things over the negative of the longer commute. I also would like to note that now four months into the move, the sacrifice wasn't overly burdensome. (laughs) And I had really, (laughs) I'd really only increased my commute by 20 minutes. And so some days I wake up 20 minutes earlier and go for a run. And some days I don't. And I just show up to work 20 minutes later. And that's fine too. And so far, neither of those outcomes have really changed my life dramatically. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did you see that ending coming? <laughs> I think I think along with the idea of choice is the idea and, and I think sacrifice laden within that is this idea of like an emotional sacrifice as well, right? Like there's something you are giving up something that you value and that comes with a I would say, time or effort to process through. Mm -hmm. And so I think the initial presence of a change can often call from us like a big emotion. And it feels like more of a sacrifice than when we're on the other side. So while it it is and certainly will be for many others a perhaps sacrifice to, you know, elect something over something else, right? The, the end outcome often is less than we make it in our minds. And if you're making this full choice, the sacrifice, like not under duress, just you weighing your options and deciding, we assume that you're choosing the thing that you value more. So 
I, for me, it was helpful to focus less on what I was sacrificing and focus more on what I was choosing and just do that little like brain flip there so that I stopped dwelling on what was being given up and looked more towards what was being gained. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the examples that I have today sort of talk about that a little bit, or at least I think it's helpful to think of it in that reframing of, okay, yes, look what they gave up, but they all made that choice for a thing that they valued more than what they sacrificed. Mm-hmm. But before we can get to those examples, we must first hear what happened in the chapter. And you, it is your turn to walk us through these events. So how about you, you walk us through? Absolutely. So the Hobbits and Gandalf are headed towards the Shire. Ultimately, like along the way, right, they're sort of retracing their steps. We see that Frodo is pretty plagued by his trauma, which shows up uh, occasionally through the journey, but especially at Weathertop, which is where he was stabbed by a ring wraith. And so as any of us would be, right, he's kind of reliving that moment. But once they pass Weathertop, that that mood and that trauma seems to sort of resolve a bit or feels less present. They arrive in Bree, and the mood is tense. They're kind of expecting there to be a, a party of individuals waiting for them, excited to see them, and it's very bleak. The folks aren't out, it's raining, it's gross. Um, and they head to the Prancing Pony, where they had stayed previously. They encounter Mr. Butterbur and Nob, and they discuss their happenings about, kind of with, with Barleyman, the bartender, about what has happened, and he is just so amazed and provides them also a lot of updates on Bree. Turns out things aren't so, so good here in Bree. There's a lot of folks that are ne'er-do-wells, that are wreaking havoc um, on this part of the world. The company shares that Strider is king, and Sam learns that Bill the Pony is alive, to which he is thrilled. Yay! Yay! They stay the night, and then the next morning, they had um, they set off for the Shire, having lightened the hearts in Bree a bit, provided a little hope. Gandalf indicates that the hops are grown now, so he's not coming with them to the Shire to manage whatever is there. He's going to go talk to Tom Bombadil. And the hobbits head home, and Ellen, as you noted, Frodo feels like it's him falling back asleep, whereas Pippin characterizes their whole adventure as the dream. And that's where our chapter ends. Such a good chapter. I, lo- I love that we get Bill back. <laughs> we get Bill back. We get this kind of returning heroes with all their adventures, getting to share that with folks and kind of lift the mood a bit. So it's a it's a pleasant chapter, I would say, and a much slower pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cozy. Mm-hmm. Hanging out in the in the Prancing Pony, having some beer, some victuals, I think they use that word. Some blessed beer of some flavor. <laughs> like, it's always really good because Gandalf, like, magicked it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, he whispered to the barley before right. he left. <laughs> right. So that's what happened. Um, but where did you see examples of today's theme in the chapter? I I saw a couple of examples. Uh, and keeping in mind that I, 
do you think sacrifice has to be a conscious choice on some level? I don't know that you could, you, you can call it a sacrifice if it was just like thrust upon you or someone made the decision for you. Mm-hmm. So the first example is on the first page of the chapter, my 290. And Gandalf asks Frodo, are you in pain? And he, Frodo says, yes, I am. And Frodo ends this little exchange agreeing with Gandalf that he doesn't think this wound will be wholly cured. Quote, though I may come to the Shire, it will not seem the same, for I shall not be the same. I am wounded with knife, sting, and tooth, and a long burden. Where shall I find rest? And I think Frodo has sacrificed his peace of mind and physical well-being for the good of literally all Middle-earth. And I think he had some idea of that sacrifice as he was walking into being the ring bearer, certainly more than any of the other hobbits that, that accompanied him. I felt like he, he understood the gravity of this a bit more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I mean, I think too, I, I'm I'm sort of thinking about this idea of if you sacrifice all that you have, even if on the surface it appears less than others who are coming to the table, right, then you are giving your full 100%. And I think that's what Frodo did, even mm-hmm. if he didn't fully understand the implications or the the true sacrifice he was offering in that moment, he gave all of himself and then continued to have to do that throughout this journey. Um, and I would... I would be hard-pressed to find someone going through um, similar trials and tribulations who wouldn't be entirely a different person after the fact. Mm -hmm. My next example is on the following two pages. It goes from the bottom of 292 to 293. And the quote is, uh, as Mr. Butterbur comes in to see if they enjoyed their food, Quote, as indeed it had, no change for the worse had yet come upon the beer or the victuals at the pony. And in my mind, and I, of course, I'm always looking at the hospitality side of things, the, the prancing pony could have sacrificed some quality here. They are having a hard time financially. There is a lot going on in and around Brie that seems more important than like making sure the food you cooked is good. And they're not sacrificing hospitality. They're giving them a a nice cozy room. They're giving them delicious food. Nothing's changed from the services offered. And I I think there's some pride there from from Mr. Butterburn still providing a a wonderful sense of welcome and delicious sense of welcome to his guests. Mm Mm-hmm. The next one, I don't know if it is a true sacrifice or just a tragedy, because we talk about the five people who died on page 294 in this fight in Brie. And, you know, on on one hand, I think if those people chose to fight and they wanted to defend Brie against these ruffians, that we could call this a sacrifice for for the good of their community. But if they were, you know, just sort of victims without agency on this who were maybe trying to get out of the way and were somehow drawn in that would i would put that more under tragedy than a sacrifice but i wanted to call it out in anyways 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction, right? There is, it's almost like a consent piece. Mm -hmm. If I am consenting to sacrifice, right, then I think so too it can be qualified. But I think we have to be really careful about using that word for someone who didn't have that same level of agency because they didn't have they didn't have the option right right? so this was just an outcome it was not a choice Mm -hmm. yeah i'm glad we could i'm glad we could talk about that because i think that's very important i agree my next example is on the opposite page my page 295 when butterbur is talking about his troubles and he said that he's sad the rangers have gone away quote, I don't think we rightly understood till now what they did for us. And I think the people of Bree in general, including Mr. Butterbur, just didn't understand the sacrifices that the rangers were making to keep their whole land safe. Like, we're fighting wolves, we're probably doing a little bit of gentle magic, we're setting up perimeters, keeping an eye on things, watching the road. And when they have to go away down down south, there's nobody left to keep an eye on things. And I, I, the people of Bree seem to miss that sacrifice once they understand that it had been there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's tough, too, because you have the rangers who are knowingly making a choice mm-hmm. and who are willing to sacrifice Bree. But what you don't see is the community of Bree also consenting to that sacrifice. So they're only really aware of what's been happening after and when there's an absence that can be right. noted. Um, and I think that's that's a tricky needle to thread on behalf of the rangers, right? Because like, are they really in a position to kind of make those decisions for others? Mm-hmm. And if so, what say do like folks of Bree have in either electing people to do that or what kind of representation do they have in those conversations? Like, might they just be informed about the impact that this will have as opposed to right, just like, finding hey, themselves one day. Leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> finding themselves one yeah. day just being like, oh, so these wolves are a problem now. Uh, Didn't how did know we about deal that with one. this before? <laughs> Hadn't heard about the wolves until today. Anybody have like a, a binder, perhaps, Mm-mm. of protocols yes. that we might use? <laughs> nope, none of that. Just a fun, nope, none of that. a fun surprise. And they do say they're coming back. So I guess even with Aragorn as king, the rangers are going to like hang out and fight the wolves. <laughs> right, right. Who knows? It's unclear. My next example is on page 298. And this is a quote from Gandalf as he's talking about, I'm not going to come with you. Here's what I'm going to do. Quote, I'm going to go have a long talk with Bombadil. Such a talk as I have not had in all my time. He is a moss gatherer and I have been a stone doomed to rolling. But my rolling days are ending and now we shall have much to say to one another. And it strikes me that Gandalf has really been sacrificing, like, a retirement (laughs) up (laughs) until this point. He has done so much for the people of Middle-earth. The chess master moving everybody around, keeping an eye on literally everything, only being flummoxed by Sauron tricking him that one time. And it seems like he just kind of wants to hang out and chat with other learned people in the realm and have a more quiet existence and i'm happy for him 
that he no longer has to make that sacrifice and he can have some more than well-earned retirement now that things have been set to rights. Mm-hmm. My rolling days are ending. <laughs> and then my last example is on the last page of the chapter. Frodo, after hearing Gandalf say all of this about Tom, looks south wistfully and says, quote, I should dearly like to see the old fellow again. And Gandalf gives him a reply that includes, quote, There may be a time later for you to go and see him, but if I were you, I should press on now for home. And this is, in the grand scheme of things, a small sacrifice for Frodo, that he doesn't get to do what he wants and go and visit Tom Bombadil. But it does seem a little hard to me that after all of the stuff Frodo has already gone through, Gandalf mm-hmm. is like, I know you'd love to come see your old friend, but actually you need to sort out the Shire. So maybe later. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment just as far as like Frodo has, we see very clearly through this return journey that he is still struggling with the lasting impacts of having carried the ring for so long that he is not at peace. Mm-hmm. And so while it may seem a small sacrifice to someone who has easier access to a peaceful or restful place, it does seem like a pretty big denial to Frodo to say, nope, continue to be unhappy, continue to experience this, go sort out your home, and then maybe you can Maybe come. you can come see good old Tom. Right, right. Like, couldn't, couldn't Sam, Mary, and Pippin go sort out the Shire? Do they need Frodo? Frodo's tired. <laughs> And they don't know fully what they're walking into, only that it needs their attention. So I think it's also tricky to say, well, he absolutely has to go or not, because we don't have enough information to know what he would contribute. Gandalf seems to know, because he even knows that there's a bridge on, that there's a bridge on the Brandywine. And Mm -hmm. the hobbits are like, there's no bridge there. Gandalf's like, there is now. Mm -hmm. So if he has that information, I feel like he, he knows the nonsense that's happening in the Shire. And once again, feels like an opportunity for Gandalf to be like, all right, huddle up, everybody. We're going to have a quick convo right. about what you're walking into. Nope. <laughs> nope. Just like, peace out. I'm going to go, like, chill. You sort this out. Um, I'm not going to help. I know you can. You've grown quite high. <laughs> what does that mean? You're literally taller, so you'll figure it out. You're taller and you have swords <laughs> and you've got this. <laughs> Okay. I'm going to go have some tea with Tom and the River Daughter. (laughs) Right. So those are my examples. Um, Trying to, again, look for moments where we either did or didn't sacrifice and keeping in mind that it's not really a sacrifice if you aren't actively choosing it, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I No, I agree with that. I mean, I think the, that reframing is really important because if you don't have, if you're not able to make a choice, is are you giving it up or is it being taken? Right. And if it's being taken, does that really make it a sacrifice? I'm not sure. I would, I would say no. I think it just makes it a tragedy or a crime or something. Or a loss. Or a loss. Yeah. yeah. You need the, the agency. I agree with that. Well, one thing we're not going to sacrifice is our talking with Tolkien, because it's my never favorite segment. (laughs) (laughs) 
Would you like to share with us the quotes that you've brought? Absolutely. So you've already read the one, which is the quote from Gandalf about going to talk with um, Tom Bombadil. Oh, yeah. I just like this <laughs> imagery of him being a a rolling stone, um, but his rolling days are ending. Yes. And so um, he's going to go have a chill time. So I particularly liked that quote. But then there is another quote on my page 337. So the boys are chatting with Butterbur. And they seem to be intimating that Strider is king. And I really feel like Sam <laughs> does uh, Butterbur dirty here because he gets really impatient with kind of the beating around the bush and just says, quote, of course he does. He's Strider, the chief of the rangers. Haven't you got that into your head yet? <laughs> and I felt really bad for Butterbur in this moment because I was like, I don't, I don't know that it would have occurred to him that kind of the dirty stringy haired ranger in the corner might be of some sort of noble lineage and ultimately ascend to a throne and i feel like sam is just a bit short with him here (laughs) i couldn't tell if it was intimated that they told him that earlier Mm. Uh, when they were like Oh, I don't know what page it was on. And all, all Mr. Butterbur is saying, oh, you don't say. Oh, you don't say. Hmm. I don't know. Because <laughs> they're talking about how much they, how much Strider loves his beer. Right. And he's like, oh, do- does he now? He drinks it out of his golden <laughs> cups. That's so good for him. Like, I was like, I don't, I don't know that this poor sweet man who's been dealing with all kinds of things in his neighborhood really sat and thought about why they were saying those things yeah it's it's not it's not clear and i'm looking it's not completely spelled out here it's most of the things which they had to tell were a mere wonder and bewilderment to their host and far beyond his vision and they brought forth few comments other than you don't say so it sounds like they just kind of tell him generally about it but it's not like they said earlier by the way strider is the king well yeah and like they don't find out Strider's name, you know, his his true name, his, like, lineage name until much into their journey. So it just seems like one of those. Yeah. Yeah, you have this information now and then it feels apparent to you, but not to everyone else. Pippin didn't figure it out until, like, two weeks ago. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was still struggling through that. Yes. Oh, man. So those are my quotes. Very nice. Uh, which quotes did you have? I had one on page 298 from Mr. Butterbur. He says to the hobbits, quote, But if I may be so bold, you've come back changed from your travels, and you look now like folk who can deal with troubles out of hand. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked that call out. Oh, and actually both my quotes are from Mr. Butterbur. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe a paragraph below yours of haven't you gotten into that into your head yet? Mr. Butterbur says, well, this has been the nicest chat I've had in a month of Mondays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really liked that one. That phrase, month of Mondays. Like, oh, I could, oh, like, it's been a week of Mondays. You know, everything is just hard. And mm-hmm. I like, I liked that phrasing that he's had a whole month of Mondays. What a gray month that would be. Right. <laughs> You've given me a powerful lot to think about mm-hmm. or think over. But I'll put that off until tomorrow. <laughs> Mr. Butterbur is so cheery. Well, he is for the first time in a long time. Yeah, in a month of Mondays. In a month of Mondays. He has hope now. 
Uh, and those are my those are my talkings with Tolkien. I'm just happy that Mr. Butterbur is here to be cheery for everybody. Yes, and that uh, we have some good. We're finally getting hope back into Brie, which is exciting, mm-hmm. and we're going to uncover now what kind of chaos is in the Shire. Dun, dun, so I'm looking forward to dun. that as well. Right, with Gandalf's like, well, Saruman knew about this way before anybody else did. And I was like, okay, so. That's <laughs> something to say. What's going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. He's saying that not everybody could just, what is it, Lobelia couldn't fight him off with her spoons? Nobody knows, except for Gandalf. Nobody knows. <laughs> right. He's Who will say, marry a word, because yes. he's off to talk to Tom Bobadil. <laughs> Busy. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. <laughs> I am looking forward to the next chapter, though. It'll be nice to nice to get back to the Shire in truth. I'm excited mostly for Sam to be back in the Shire. Yay. It's all his little heart has ever wanted. Happy Sam with his box of dirt. <laughs> his box of dirt. Knowing that Bill's alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to check in on the gaffer in his garden. Happy. Happy boy. So those were our quotes. Might you share with us our, our action item to think about sacrifice and community? I would love to. So similar to what we've done in this discussion, I will encourage everyone to reframe sacrifice as the word choice instead of using the word sacrifice. And more specifically, the next time somebody asks you to maybe hang out at an inconvenient time or invites you to do an activity that you aren't super excited about, make the sacrifice make the choice and choose to pour into your community instead of stay at home. I'm excited about this. As you know, I am a homebody yes. and there are multiple days where I do not go out <laughs> or leave my home at all. So this will be this will be a good fun challenge for me to choose. That's hard. Sacrifice. I'm guilty. I'm definitely guilty of someone like inviting me and it's a borough that isn't super easy to get to or it's like an hour later that I'd want to be out on a work night and I'm like I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should choose to hang out mm-hmm. <laughs> at least some mm-hmm. of the time. <laughs> at least some of the time mm-hmm. right. Yeah I think it's important to Still think about it in the context of, like, boundaries and and your well-being and, Mm -hmm. right, like, be really clear with yourself about whether it's because if the only barrier, I should say, is that you simply don't want to, Mm -hmm. but it's otherwise, like, maybe a good choice for your community, perhaps this time you elect to participate as opposed to, as opposed to not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the key. We must, we must elect to participate. We must choose. Mm-hmm. We must choose. Today's podcast was brought to you by South Lynch Leaf. It's fine. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or an email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. It's fine. It's fine. It's no South Farthing.
Alright, should we close this out? I'd like to give you the action item. Oh, god dang it. I always forget about the action item. <laughs> yeah, 